doesn't say Natter. Hello and welcome to episode 62 of Cincy Natter, the Bengals UK production podcast. We're 0 and 8, but we don't care. Back to you, Paul. Well, uh, that was uh, probably a surprise to many people. That was my niece and nephew, Izzy and Ethan, um, opening the show. Uh, it's the day after, the night before... Um, what an incredible weekend, uh, everything considered. It was insane. Uh, I am now on vacation, or holiday, as we like to call it, and um, I'm in a, a converted barn in the Cotswolds with my family. And uh, So if you hear some kids screaming or some dogs barking, that'll be, that'll be why. Um, there's a hot tub up outside, so I'm going to go in there in a bit. I should have recorded this from the hot tub, really. But uh, have no fear, my uh, partner in crime, Nathan Palmer, is here on the line. Nathan, hello. How you doing, Paul? All right, you still still alive? Yeah, barely. <laughs> I feel as though <laughs> I feel slightly broken. If it's if it's, uh, I'm not quite sure if I can string whole sentences together. To be honest, with you. I might struggle. So you know, if you hear that, just jump in and help me out a bit. That's what you normally well, do, to be, be fair. Help. <laughs> <laughs> um, how are you feeling today? Oh, I just I feel, I feel terrible, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for, I think everyone that listens to the podcast we recorded Thursday night will know it's been pretty, um, pretty mad since Thursday all the way through to Sunday. I think when I got home from that game last night, I had a pizza, and I think literally, I'm not sure I felt worse than that this year. So. Um, <laughs> I had a, yeah, tried to get an early night, but um, still feeling a bit tender today. But um, what a weekend, though, you know what I mean? A lot of fun, so good to see everyone. I think, you know, you can tell by looking at Twitter and hearing what people are saying and people I've spoken to, I think everyone, you know, despite what happened yesterday on the field, what a cracking weekend, you know? Yeah, well, we'll get to the game. Let's not ruin the mood straight away, I don't think. Um, (laughs) um, Yeah, I, I went home, I got home about half nine, and um, it's been a complete whirlwind, really. Um, much bigger and more intense, even more intense than three years ago. And I didn't think I'd ever say yes because, or say that, because uh, you know, last time was absolutely incredible. But this time, kind of topped it, really. I know that we we were able to go to practice on Friday, which was incredible. But yeah, it was just <laughs> really <laughs> intense four days you know it was for me it was like Thursday well for all of us it was Thursday Friday Saturday and Sunday and um, my voice has gone a few octaves deeper because I think it's in ruins I've never spoken so much uh, in my life um, <laughs> I have to say when I was at the game yesterday a couple of people said to me they were like how did you become a Bengals fan I oh, was really? like like a piss off. <laughs> yeah, you're like, mate, I've answered those questions all weekend. I don't want to do it again. Um, but yeah, uh, an absolutely incredible weekend. Um, do you have a favourite moment, Nathan? Or, you know, maybe you've got anything that you I think, will remember? Obviously, I think, I think meeting Zach Taylor and Andy Dalton in person at the um, the practice would be hard to top that. But I think really, aside from that, which is sort of, you know, a one-off, I think it... it it's nice and it sounds a bit cheesy, but it's, I think it's just really nice to hang out with some genuinely good people and have a drink and have a good chat. And, you know, not all of it's even Bengals, but Bengals focused, I think. You know, you know these people quite well. We've met them a lot a few times. And it's, 
just nice to have made some good friends through have a good laugh have a few pints you know what I mean yeah absolutely and um, I think that's the overriding memory I tell you what I was actually quite worried about um, whether that because we've been doing so badly and I got a text from um, a Browns super fan at, over the weekend saying oh you know hope you get the win on Sunday I don't think he was being you know sarcastic or anything like that and I said look I, hope, I just hope we don't get embarrassed because there is the potential for that to happen I think and uh, he did say well tickets being sold on StubHub for one pound is is quite embarrassing to be fair uh, people reckon there's only going to be 30 to 40,000 at Wembley and I just kind of thought man please no no not us don't give us another stick to beat us with because or people to beat us with because you know they'll be finding that people are finding any old sort of twigs around to beat us with at the moment let alone sticks you know so uh, I was I was I was a little bit terrified whether uh, the pub was going to be busy and then I was a slightly terrified that the, we were going to be sitting in a stadium that was half full you know so I was yeah. really pleased I mean just you know you know I managed to go upstairs and do the whole radio thing with Dan Horde and, and Dave Lapham on the Friday night. And just looking down at the at the the sea of people in the Admiralty was just, you know, pretty mind blowing. And then it happened again the next night and it was just insane really. And uh, the stadium was great as well. It was pretty much pretty much full. I mean it's not wasn't capacity. There were a few pockets of empty seats, but much, much more than I, I thought there'd be. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, going back some, what would you say your favourite moment was at a weekend? I've been thinking about this and I can't really, I know it's such a cliched answer, but I don't think I can think of one. Um, I mean, me and you travelling in the car to practice, just the two of us, me yeah. in my prep suit. Yeah. I bet that was a high for you, wasn't it? Well, absolutely, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I don't know, that, that was special, but I'm not going to count that because... I'm counting that as work almost, you know what I mean? Obviously it was a thrill, but, um, but yeah, for me, I don't know. Okay. Well, oh, we, we managed to meet lots of people. My only regret is that I didn't really, or wasn't able to kind of talk to, or have actual conversations with people. I just seemed to be completely rushed off my feet and I just sort of said hello to people and then moved on and someone else called me and then someone else, you know, said something and suddenly, you know, the person that you first said hello to, sort of 15, minutes, 20, half an hour, the person that you sort of said hello to, you know, 30 minutes ago, um, was almost like a distant memory. So I do apologise to anyone if I said hello and then kind of got pulled elsewhere, you know. But, yeah, loads and loads of people, loads of people who listen to this podcast, loads of British fans, um, people that we've not heard of um uh, you know, obviously we've got some correspondence to go through later, but yeah, we've not heard from, you know, directly. They haven't tweeted us or Facebooked us, but they came up and said, I listened to the podcast. It is fantastic. Uh, we really love it. And you're doing a great job. And that just meant the world, really. You know, it was such a uh, amazing feeling to hear that. But I tell you, the the two people that made, I mean, I was, you know, we were very lucky to meet people like Ken Anderson and see Dave Lapham again and all those guys and, you know, we absolutely don't take that for granted. But the, the 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 two people that I remember, perhaps will remember, is um, uh, two American guys 
um, at the end of each night, every single night, Thursday, Friday and Saturday, they were stood in the same place outside the pub, right? They're two American guys from Cincinnati and um, they were staying in the hotel next door. So literally, this you know, it was easy peasy for them. And they just stood there and they were smoking a big fat cigar, each of them, every night, having like a little cheeky end of night whiskey after their wives have gone to bed. They were like Stadler and Waldorf in the, in the Muppets, you know what I mean? Two kind of wise-cracking, funny, but very sincere guys. And I ended up talking mm. to them at the same spot, or in the same spot, at the same time, every single night. And it was it was almost like they they were sort of apparitions or ghosts or something, just appeared out of the blue, do you know what I mean? Because they were there in the same spot every night. And they were just the loveliest guys. And... Um, you know, we talked about life and, you know, obviously, you know, me and my family have been through some stuff recently and uh, the final night I found out one of those guys had been through some horrendous personal stuff and they were using the trip to London as a bit of a an escape or a release, really. And uh, we, we shared some pretty personal stuff, you know, and this was just all over... You know, a late night drink, a cigarette, or in their case, two massive uh, cigars. So, you know, I take my hat off to, to John and Steve, and, uh, you know, hopefully I'll be keeping in touch with them. And uh, really great guys. And I think that's it. I mean, we met so many great people. Um, you know, Kevin and his dad from Cincinnati, I remember, they went to the Leicester Southampton game on the Friday night. Uh, I know the Cincinnati Toffees guys went. Uh, up to Goodison to, to kind of do a, a tour. Um, you know, all our lot there were there. You know, Jamie, Matt Cattrall, Matt Moon, Tim Knowles, Mike Smith, Tom McDowell, who, bloody hell, Tom McDowell got up in the crack of dawn, didn't he, to go and meet the players at the airport at sort of <laughs> six o'clock in the morning on Friday. And then he stuck around Wembley afterwards and met the players again. Um you know, all I, the... I heard he's got on a flight home with the players. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> um... Can I can I say one thing that I think was hilarious no. that I've got to put this in? Go on. One of our highlights <laughs> <laughs> was seeing the lady behind the bar oh, at God. the Volunteer Pub yesterday at about one o'clock. <laughs> oh, I've got to say that I, I mean, when we first organised that at the volunteer, I honestly thought, I think you probably thought the same, we might get sort of 30 people there, you know, yeah, yeah. 40 people there. And I think there must have been, I think this is a testament to, you know, the fans and the passion and everything else. When you're talking about four or five hours before kickoff, when everyone turned up there and you, well, there was probably over the course of, you know, until everyone left at sort of four o'clock, I reckon there must have been nearly four or five hundred fans that went through through those doors so you know we've got to say a big thank you to that pub or we did yeah not, not just a big food. thank you but a big apology apology as well really because they only had two <laughs> bar staff on and uh, i they really did not like us at all so apologies <laughs> to the volunteer here we picked really because it's a really nice pub and uh, we thought it'd be fine you know and um well, it was fine, and they did a fantastic oh, job. Those two, bar, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and they probably, you know, if the manager looks at the takings by the end of the night, he's probably going to have a bit. He or she's going to have a bit of a shock because uh, uh, the takings. There was rumours though that you were in on a cut with the uh, the owner. Of the <laughs> I wish. A few, I wish. A few people, yeah. I wish. A few people told me there was a ten percent kickback for you for any uh, for any food sales. <laughs> oh my god! I wish. I wish. So yeah, apologies to the volunteer. Uh, but the mass who day chant was something really special, and 
you know, outside Wembley Library at 3.30. Loads of people. I mean, loads of people were there. So do go and check our Twitter feed uh, at today underscore UK. And you can see that video. Um, you know, Joe Kelly, Kelly, the linebacker from the 89 Super Bowl, he was there, but not in a, an official capacity uh, like he was last time. He's just came over with his friends and family uh, as a fan, you know, uh, which is pretty amazing. Um, and I, I take my hat off all the American guys who came over, but also um, someone like Dan. I met a guy called Dan. I think, uh, uh, you know, probably a lot of people will have recognised him. Um, he he was a lovely guy, but he came over on his own, and he just sat there and talked to people and made friends and, you know... Yeah, I, top effort, isn't it? You know, that's brilliant. And people, you know, John and Steve, the guys that I just mentioned, like, fitted, fitted in loads of stuff. So one day they went to Paris and back again, for, you know, in one day. The next day they went to Stonehenge and Bath and a few other places around Wiltshire and, and Avon, you know, and... Brilliant. I think that's absolutely brilliant. I know Moega, uh, our old chum Moega, he went to the West Ham Sheffield United game. He was in, mm. in awe of that experience, you know. Um, and those, you know, of course, the, the hardcore American fans, Jim Foster and his crew were terrific and, and they were there. So big shout out to Jim. Um, uh, big shout out, of course, to, to Jess and Jeremy, uh, Bengals captain, um, who was on our podcast episode 60 yeah 60 <laughs> I can't episode 60 that's right um well, yeah but it was 60 60 yes you require 60 <laughs> um yeah um that was fantastic and just seeing the excitement when Ken Anderson appeared throwing stuff do you think he's still got an amazing arm I know he's only throwing towels but Bloody hell, he's got still. We might need it next season. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Too many people to mention, I think, uh, because, you know, as I say, we were sort of uh, inundated. Um, You know, as I say, Matt Moon was there, Andrew Dockerall and Sam Angel and Peter Danswell and Duncan Yeadon was there with me from Thursday afternoon, uh, which was astonishing, really. Duncan Price, I met, Dastardly Duncan was there. Um, How did you meet him? Yeah, he met, we met him at the, uh, the Who Day chant, and uh, Martin Matthews is there. It's always great to see Martin. And, uh, Stuart Baird as well had clothes on for a change, which was astonishing. Um, so all these guys that chip in uh, on the podcast, uh, they were there, and it was just great. I kept, you know, this is the thing, you know, I kept trying to tell all the American guys who... who who spoke to us that, you know, we're so used to watching games on our own. When we get into a room, one room, all of us in a room together, we just can't stop talking. And, uh, yeah, Tim Knowles is there, of course, uh, with his impossibly attractive mate, Ross. Um, uh, who else is there? Well, yeah, I think I mentioned Andy and Michelle Sample. Were there. You know, it just, I could, could just go on, really. But, uh, yeah, fantastic stuff. Really fantastic. And uh, can't thank everyone who turned up uh, even in, in the direst of circumstances and just uh, Mike McGarron, I must must mention him, um, uh, just fantastic. I really, really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, just all together in the direst of circumstances, uh, I don't think people could believe how many people were there because of how bad the team is at the moment. You know, well, so. It's funny, isn't it? Because I think if we'd been 7-0... and going into that I don't think you'd have expect you you wouldn't have been disappointed with that you know what I mean you just said yeah. it was a fair 
reflection um, on the fans and everyone's passion and energy. So to get that at 0-7, I think, is incredible, really. 100%. Um, but we are now 0-8, Nathan. <laughs> you had to pull the plug out, didn't you, Sam? I'd, well, we'd had to sometime, right? Yeah. What, what did you think yesterday? I actually thought we played quite well in patches, uh, and then it just it, again it was a really weird game. Um, you know, we were hanging with the the Rams um, for you know up until I would say that drive, that opening drive of theirs in the third quarter when when things you know it was well when they took it to twenty four ten. I mean, it was just like oh my goodness, that's a two score gap now. That's going to be really difficult and of course they they had made adjustments at half time so they more or less sort of stopped um the running game which showed a lot of signs of life in the first half that fantastic mix and run and that even more fantastic uh geo run you know that uh, i think joe goodbury says on his locked on podcast today it reminded him of the miami game back in what 2013 or something yeah, yeah, yeah. and i absolutely agree i mean he was sort of freewheeling cutting back and you know it was brilliant but yeah second half was a struggle really um i don't know man i mean they showed signs of life um i thought the defense were better uh, in the run game they sealed the edges much better they patrolled the perimeters much better uh, more or less clamped down uh, on the receivers uh, i you know on you know, outside of the numbers, you know, down the sides there. They were they were pretty good at, at sort of closing those guys down. But of course, you know, when you when you let a, a slot receiver like Cooper Cup, who looked like absolutely electric yesterday, um yeah. when you let him roam all over the middle of the pitch, then it's just deep trouble, isn't it? Yeah, I mean I'm actually gonna have to disagree with you some. Go on then. Um, I did. I didn't think we were great yesterday at all. I mean, I know it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a blowout. It wasn't a sort of, you know, twenty thirty point loss. But I, I just felt that. I just felt that. I know the defence toughened up a little bit in the second half, but that was kind of almost when we were already out to a decent lead. I just felt like the Rams could have scored at any point if they wanted to. I just felt like there were so many opportunities for. Like, we had a, about three interceptions, like almost clear cut chances that were put down. Um, yeah, your your favourite man, BWF, falling over <laughs> on that third down play. Well, I, mean, I mean, that was just sheer bad luck, though, wasn't it? Really, I mean, he, that that was a that would have been a twenty yard game, but it turned into a what sixty five yard touchdown. It was just ridiculous. Yeah. And that's when you felt like we had a chance, though. Sort of, you know, I think that play was possibly a third down, and you think, more, you know, just slips through your fingers. I mean, I really felt like we struggled to put any real meaningful pressure on Jerry Goff. I just felt like he had a long time to throw and. You know, Cooper Cup going, I think he was over 200 yards or nearly over 170 yards at half time. I mean, you know, that, and that's with Brandon Cooks being out the whole game. I mean, you forget that. You know, Brandon Cooks is really sort of, you know, him and Cooper Cup arguably the number one guys. And you've got pretty much Cooks went out of the game, I think, on the first drive for them. So I think to give up the amount of yards we did passing with him out of their game, I think was disappointing. I think on offense, I thought we were a bit better. The run game wasn't as stagnant as usual. I think Giovanni Bernard needs to get some more looks in these games. He really does. I mean, I know they want to get Mixon going, and I know, you know, he's their number one guy. But 
I really think Bernard offers you sort of something different, and I think you know I'd love to see him on the field more, trying to get more involved. Alden Tate was good, you know. I think Dalton missed him wide open for a sort of. Um, I think he broke free down the side and sort of Dalton overthrew him a bit, which was a shame. But you know that beautiful catch. I think it was on fourth down as well. Wasn't that it, was at the end of the game. Incredible catch. Yeah, that he sort of they, leapt salmon like. Uh, like a salmon. Like a salmon, like an enormous nine-foot salmon, uh, <laughs> just jumping out of the river and just sort of flipping his tail. And goodness me, what a catch. I mean, he's great, but, you know, when AJ gets back, he's going to see less looks because he... Or unless they play sort of, you know... Oh, there's the dogs. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I, again, I thought Dalton looked... Okay. Um, he, he... I think it's so hard for him with that offensive line, and that I still think we're lacking so much talent at wide receiver. Really, I mean, all the Tate's doing a decent <laughs> job. Alex Erickson's doing yeah, a decent but job. Don't, but don't you think though he's missing on a lot of throws downfield? Like that that throw yeah. to Warden Tate was he was wide open. I think there was something else to Tyler Boyd as well. And yet, in the short and the intermediate game, he was. Really sharp and zinging him in, you know that. I mean, it's great to see Tyler Eifert getting more involved as well. Um, yeah. So I think there are positives, you know. Actually, you talk about the offensive line. I didn't think they did awfully yesterday. I mean, Aaron Donald did not take over that game, which I really feared that he he did. Although I have to say, the Bengals had driven into Rams territory twice, and of course, this is the thing: the Bengals were moving the ball much, much better than we've seen them. Um, yeah, in the past, well, several weeks really, and they were, you know, Ericsson was was heavily involved again. Uh, you know, Eifert over the middle looked good. Uh, you know, we were moving the ball, and yet there were a couple of times when we had driven into Rams territory, and then a sack or a penalty had kind of just nudged us out of field goal range. You know, um. But some yeah, there was one horrible sack Dalton took, wasn't there? I yeah. think when he like, I think it was like third down and a couple or something, and he took that sack, lost about nine or ten, and the Bengals had to punt. And I think it's those sort of plays, isn't it? There's real head scratches. It's like just don't take the sack there, don't take the sack. Like get, you know, roll Randy Bullock out, get three points, you know, keep it sort of inside one score game. You know, just sort of some of those like errors are key moments, you know. Absolutely, I think you're absolutely right. The Rams. I think we were actually quite even with the Rams, but the Rams won those key moments. And by key moments, I mean converting on three in ridiculous amounts. You know, there was, yeah. uh, there, I can't remember which quarter it was, but I thought actually, weirdly, Kevin Kahuba had a fantastic game. Stanley Morgan, the gunner in the special teams unit, had a fantastic game. We had them backed up on their own one or two or whatever. We're inside yeah, their own yeah. five. They had a third and very long, and you thought, right, if we could get the ball at midfield here, we're, we're in business. Um, mm. And the defence was playing pretty well in the second half, um, and yet Todd Gurley ripped off this huge run. There was another third down, perhaps on the same drive, maybe. I'm not sure. I've got to watch it back. It's all been a bit of a blur and a whirl. But that long throw to to uh, Cooper Cup, where he kind of beat Sean Williams and uh, Tony McRae. Oh man, that was, there were some killer moments, and the Rams won those absolutely key moments, and the Bengals did not. You know, whether you know one of the key moments. I said they'd driven into the Ram into the Rams territory twice, and then they got knocked back out of field goal range. 
they had some red zone moments and they failed to come away with points. Um, so it was it was very frustrating because I thought we hung with the Rams for, for quite a long time. And I'm not saying that we were spectacular. I'm not saying that there aren't holes on this team because there are. But I must say... Uh, they were they were better and in some cases much better than uh, than we've seen them recently. But I do agree with you. There was no real pressure on Goff. Although I did see uh, Carlos have some pressure and you know he batted a ball down and got a, uh, he got a TFL and I think Hubbard was there occasionally. But and we more or less contained Todd Gurley, which is good. So there are posi- again. That's what I mean. It's weird. There are positives, but. Do you think the negatives still outweigh the positives? I, I personally do. I think that, you know, it's neutral venue. I think, you know, we didn't cover the spread. And I just think that, I think the Rams could have had us if they wanted to. I just think in the second half, the Rams almost took their foot off the gas a little bit on offense. They knew, you know, they had a fairly good lead. Our, that wasn't down to our defense, though. You don't think that? I don't think the defence played badly in the second half, but I just, I just felt that if the Rams had actually needed to, they could have just stepped it up a level. So I, I never, I never felt in the second half that we would really had a chance. I think we played okay. We by no means embarrassed ourselves, but I just did. I just felt that with, you know, with the team as it is now and the belief, I just never really felt like we had an actual chance of winning that game. There was, you know, we were always in it to an extent. We were never completely out of it until, you know, that fourth down conversion they threw it short of the mark, but. I just felt that, you know, like I said, it wasn't a terrible performance. We didn't embarrass ourselves. It was, it was a contest pretty much for four quarters. But I just felt, you know, for the Rams, I just didn't they could have stepped it up if they had to. I think if that game had, you know, really come down to sort of a three, four-point affair, I think the Rams just could have taken it up another level. And like I said, that's without Brandon Cooks. I don't think, you know, Todd Gurley's anywhere near his best this season with his knee and stuff. And I think, you know... We just didn't create any opportunities on defense. We, we, I didn't feel like we, you know, we had so many opportunities at turnovers. I think Goff didn't play particularly well at times. I think he threw a few loose balls that, you know, a turnover could have made a difference in that game. I think a real yeah. opportunistic play, like if someone just picks a pass off or, you know, fumble or anything like that, it goes the other way. It could have just turned that game potentially. But I don't know. Like you said, there are some positives there. But, you know, we are 0-8. We have to look that in the face. You know, you've got the Ravens the week after the bye, which is going to be another very, very difficult game. And I just think we've got to get some players back. We've got to get AJ Green on that field. I think, you know, you've got to hope that Green can play against Baltimore. I mean, that'll be 10 weeks into the season. He missed the entire preseason. I just, for me, it's like, I think he's got to play against Baltimore. I mean, that's 14 weeks he would have missed with a sprained ankle. I find it hard to believe he wouldn't be ready to go then. I think. That's desperately what we need to get this offense going. Yes, um, yeah, I'm still coming to terms of the game yesterday. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't gutted. I think I had low expectations going in, but I did think that there were some good performances yesterday on both sides of the ball. I just, you know, little things like, you know, Jermaine Pratt got beaten in coverage on one of their touchdowns to a wide receiver, and you know, they, they seem to just be picking apart our kind of you know, zone coverage quite easily. And I, I was just thinking, wow, uh, I'm not an expert on all, all this kind of stuff, but at times it looked too easy, you know. Uh, and then we sort of tightened up, and then they had some big chunk plays again, and then they tightened up, and then the Rams had some big chunk plays again, you know. So 
It was quite back back and forth, but it was also quite frustrating. I think um, at the at the end of the day, I think. Say again, sorry, Sam. <laughs> what are you doing there, by the way? What do you mean? Um, well, what are you doing? Are you just sitting around? Are you at home? I'm just pacing around, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Maybe just cut out slightly. Oh, right, sorry. Um, yeah, I was just saying it's frustrating because there were some good performances, you know, and but then there was some more head head scratchy stuff. Like, what are you putting Jermaine Pratt on on um, one of the receivers for? You know, um, it was weird, really. Um, I think what a lot of people were saying, and this is something that's just come out, I think, in the last what, a couple of hours, a bit of the old PFF grade, is that Billy Price scored a 1.6 out know. of 100 um, for his pass blocking rating yesterday. And it's just, I think I think it's going to be really interesting with this team, just sort of seeing, you know, getting to the end of the season and evaluating what you've got. Because I think there has been some good performances. You know, there's been some people, I think Alden Tate probably been the one guy this season that you'd say has really taken a step up when given an opportunity, mm-hmm. which is what you want to see. Sandy Morgan, you know, has had a few chances. He's looked not too bad. Pratt, I think the jury's still out on. I think he, t- I mean, I was watching him a little bit. I thought he, t- I think he tackles really well. It's just, mm. I mean, I thought he was going to be this kind of rangy, quick, decent in coverage linebacker. Uh, but at the moment, he's much better in, in the run defense than he is uh, in in sort of coverage. So maybe that's just like a learning thing. He's got a lot to learn in terms of uh, doing the business when it comes to, you know, coverage, the coverage aspect of it all. But um, yeah, no, I agree. I, th- I don't know. It's weird isn't it? it's just weird just weird Sam it is weird um, we'll talk about the whole trading thing obviously the deadline is next Tuesday no it's, it's this, this Tuesday, Tuesday. Tomorrow, when I say next Tuesday I mean tomorrow and um, Paul Dana who we saw I can exclusively reveal that one of our flock watched the Everton Brighton game with him on the heartbreaking Everton Brighton game with him on uh, on Saturday afternoon Um he said a few interesting things about the trade deadline and the way the Bengals are approaching the trade deadline. So we'll we'll see what happens. And of course, if anything does, anything crazy does happen, uh, which I don't think there will be, um, perhaps we ought to do uh, an emergency podcast tomorrow at some stage or something. What do you think? It better not be from your hot tub, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tempted. I am tempted to do it in the hot tub. Anyway, let's get to our correspondence, shall we? Um, as ever, you know... Just, just quickly, oh, Dan, on, just sorry, quickly what, what do you think about the trade there, Dan? Is it, would you be sort of interested in anything? Do you think anything will happen? Just touch on it quick. Well, I, I th- well, let's talk about it after the correspondence, yeah? And um, Okay, sure. Because I think I think it is a, a very interesting discussion that's getting a lot of Bengals fans hot under the collar, and I, I'm interested to hear what you think about it as well. But obviously, the weekend was fantastic. We got to speak to a lot of people in person. Um, however, uh, it's back to what we normally do, which is talk to uh, well, we ask people to send messages in to at Hooday underscore UK on Twitter and Bengals UK on Facebook. So let's go to Jess Connolly at Jess Ellis Connolly. I am I'm so incredibly touched by the kindness and generosity shown to us this week. Thank you to everyone who made the trip. Thank you for letting us in on your Bengals UK celebrations and meetups. Thank you for letting us invade your podcast, and we hope to see you all very soon. 
I mean, they were just having an absolute blast, Jeremy and, and Jess, weren't they, I think? Everyone yeah, like wanted... full-on celebrities now, aren't they? Everyone... Not, not even Bengals, just full-on celebrities. Absolutely. I think they're going to be uh, on the next uh, series of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, <laughs> I think. Uh, no, everyone wanted to meet them. It was fantastic, and I think they had a lot of fun. Um, Phil Hatton at Bengal Blue Boy. Uh, I tell you what, Phil looked like a million dollars yesterday. He's wearing this kind of like beige, uh, slightly mustardy sort of overcoat with a little fedora and a Bengal scarf. I thought he looked the absolute business yesterday and it was great to catch up with him. Uh, lots of Bengals fans at the game. Fan base seems to be really growing. Still think the stadium does not get the atmosphere benefit due to no partisan sections. Great weekend nonetheless. Loads of positive connections. Well done, lads. Well, I can't. We can't really take credit for all that kind of stuff, you know, that sort of stuff. But he's right. I think. I think you know. I think. Uh, I feel like the fan base is growing over here. Is that maybe? That's There's just... a lot of fan. There's a lot of people in Bengals jerseys and stuff there yesterday. Because I think a lot of them, you know, might not be on Twitter and stuff like that. I might be a bit more sharp. There, there were a lot of people in Bengals jerseys. I mean, I remember when it all first kicked off, sort of ten, fifteen years ago, when I was a fan and went to Wembley for the first mm. time. And mm. I think, I mean, you could have counted the Bengals fans on one hand. I think you go now, and I it gets to the point where you know you just it's just a casual occurrence. I got on the Baker um, the train the other day to go down to to the pub, and there's a couple of Bengals fans. On it. it doesn't surprise you. Do you know what I mean? I, was, I thought we were very very well represented. But I also think he makes a really good point on the atmosphere. I think you know not by my, no means a bad atmosphere, but I think it's tough with all the fans from different teams and stuff. And I do think you'd raise the atmosphere sort of UK style if you were to have sort of dedicated area for sort of fans of the team like home fans or you know something like mm. that I think it really would raise the roof for that I agree and uh, I think that's the one big knock on NFL well um, one of the big knocks on NFL UK is that they just can't sort out a, a home or away section in 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 the ground you know it would have been great to, for all the Bengals fans to sit together I think, and all the Rams to sit together. And you, you, you'd be surprised how, you know, 1,000, 2,000 fans grouped together, yeah. just being around each other can make a hell of a lot of noise. And I actually think not only in their individual areas, but I think around the ground, it would elevate the atmosphere massively. 100%. Andrew Dockerill at Dockers77. Now, Andrew was an absolute star at the weekend. Uh, it was great to meet him face-to-face. And my voice is going, so let me just have a little cough. And um, we organised a bowling match with the LA Rams UK crew on Saturday morning, um, who we beat, uh, which is good. Uh, And it was good fun. It was really nice fun. And um, uh, MVP was Andrew. He was sensational. He was sensational. And next year, I think we're going to maybe have a lawn bowling uh, championship, maybe a Bengals UK lawn bowling championship. That'd lawn be bowling, yeah. Uh, I think some sort of, some, you know, some sort of sedate uh, old people sport, which is obviously suit me completely. I can see but... you in the white sun. I can see yeah, you on those little like peaky blinders, white hat, you know, <laughs> some, like, nice little shoes, like sort of rolling up with a uh, with your cigar on show, ready for a bit of lawn bowl. <laughs> and my flask of tea and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Andrew Docker at Docker seventy seven at ONA. It's so easy to be negative and moan overvaluing players for trade. Pratt covering a wide receiver, Dalton on third down, etc. Uh, but I really am just grateful I got to see the team over here. Besides, 
We won the bowling and that's all that matters. Paul, amazing work all weekend, sir. A pleasure to meet all the fans, including yourselves. Special thanks to those like uh, Bengals captain and Jess Conley who made the long trip across the weekend. It's just a reminder. No matter how results go on the field, there are so many people who want the best for the team. Absolutely. I think that's it. We're not. I think a lot of people, you know, when we put photographs of stuff on the Admiralty upon Twitter, there were a few old snarky who um, who kind of said, you know, blah blah blah. Oh, you can keep them. We don't want them back here. And oh well, well, that's not. That doesn't look like fun. It looks like a lot of idiots just blindly supporting a team. You know, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, well, no, we're not blindly supporting a team. We know. They're bad. We know there are issues, but what we're doing is is having a really good time. So, anyway, um, here, here. Thank you, um, <laughs> Odat at DZE. It was very good to see him at the weekend. I'll do mine in two parts. Oh, he means business. It is Odat. Uh, first, a huge shout out to all the Bengals fans I met over the weekend for a season that's going down the toilet. What an amazing, positive group, and all brought together as a show of unity behind the team. And to get a little pissed with, uh, thank you, Houday UK. Um, however, what's concerning is the apparent unwillingness to engage in free agency. Potentially making other teams better is part of the process and risk. This year, we allowed Denver to move up, selecting a player that makes them better and exchanging draft capital. What's the difference? And, of course, we'll talk about that a bit later. Um, Matt Gibbs at Wakey Ram. It's great to see Matt. Um... Huge thanks to at Big Gordy and at Ness Adamson for uh, the gift to see the Bengals. Had a blast. Saw, uh, saw the Bengals for the first time. Shook hands with a captain. Drank a glass or two. Uh, also, uh, the Bengals UK folk were class. Thank you very much, Matt. Um, Rosie at Rosie underscore... Sorry, Rosie Man underscore 16. I actually thought this was one of our better performances of the season. Lots of mistakes still but defense looks slightly improved and tate had an awesome game if only the balls were better placed great atmosphere though and brilliant to meet everyone likewise roby likewise rosie lovely to see you and ben yesterday duncan yeadon at slam dunk the funk hot solid handle well I would imagine that Duncan's handle is uh, less than solid at the moment, I have to say, because uh, he... That geezer needs to be put on a drip. Oh, mate, uh, he was there on Thursday night, or sorry, from Thursday afternoon, and he stayed longer in the pub than I did, Uh, and it was lovely to meet Duncan. Uh, It was great to see Duncan hang out so much. Uh, He's a really passionate fan, and... And uh, I think he even brought his uh, his partner, Jess, along. So that was lovely to meet her as well. And, of course, lots of people brought... I saw Alex McQueen and his his uh, partner, the brilliant Stu Davis, uh, and and his partner. And uh, must give Amy Smith a special shout-out. I, you know, only got in touch with her last week to come on uh, our podcast. She's the photographer, if you're wondering. She was wandering around with her partner, Dan, who was also a big Bengals fan, and uh, she was just doing a fantastic job, uh, just taking photographs of everyone and for her special kind of photo project. Yeah, she's been. Uh, she was taking some amazing photographs, and uh, you can see them because she started to upload them to Instagram. It's Instagram.com/slash/AmySmithPhotos, and you can follow follow her on the same 
handle on Twitter, and she was fantastic, you know. So there are lots of people who bought their care. Bengals care bought his partner along, and as I say, the brilliant Stu Davis. Stu Davis uh, made uh, a great Bengals sort of flag three years ago. He outdid himself this uh, <laughs> this year because uh, he did like uh, a Bengals flag in the style of the Sex Pistols' "Never Mind the Bollocks" album, which was. Um, which was uh, amazing, I thought. Um, um, where were we? Yes, Duncan Eden at Slam Dunk the Funk. Solid handle. You don't have to say it again. Um, don't give him. Don't, don't inflate his ego that much. Hot take is that I'm broken. <laughs> he, he did have a big weekend, to be fair, didn't he? Um, do you know? Do you know with Duncan what what literally tipped me over the edge? It, it almost <laughs> angered me at a point yesterday. Was so I'm on the way back from Wembley, feeling like you know absolutely shocking. I get back home, and I'm just I couldn't think of anything worse than leaving the house. Terrible. He's on Twitter, yeah. tweeting at Bengals captain yeah. saying with question mark Admiralty. Yeah, it's like what an absolute nutter to the game. Just be like, yeah, let's head down the Admiralty, have another pint, you know. But fair play to the geezer. He's a He's a good laugh. Well, I, well, I tell you what I did last night. I got home at half nine and sort of laid down on the bed and flipped open the laptop to kind of watch maybe some highlights and press conferences and then watch a bit of the NFL. I fell asleep within 10 minutes and then I woke up at seven o'clock in the morning with all my clothes on still. Um, it was like I was a kid again. It was very weird. Um oh, What else can we do? Yes, Tim Knowles at... Uh, sorry, I didn't even ring out, uh, read out, or did I? I d- have I read out Duncan? This is my brain now. You said today. Hot, hot take, he was broken. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Auden, right. the, hot take as I'm broken. Auden Tate is going to the Pro Bowl, and no matter what this team does, we have a community that is orange and black through and through. You need to sort me a hashtag for my Chad campaign. Um... On a side note, Palmer must be loaded as he's punching. You know what that means, <laughs> punching? All oh, right, I see what he means. Yes, okay. Um, right. Um, uh, I'm not quite sure what what is your Chad campaign. Um, he thought about getting Chad on for our 85th episode. Well, you've just let something out the bag there, Nathan. So we'll have to uh, uh, we'll have to try. And, well, I'm not going to say anything because we we need to deliver on that one. Really, it's going to be the toughest projects that we're going to undertake i think uh so we, pro- so we probably will need all the help that we can get um thank you duncan good to hang out with you this weekend uh i don't think Auden tate's going to the pro bowl to me do you no no you're not no absolutely no chance um tim knowles at timmy k nostrils in relation to the weekend though it was a superb celebration for, of international tiger relations and re-energise all UK Bengals fans' adoration for this franchise. That catch from Auden Tate. Wow. <clears throat> but crucially, at first and ten on the Rams 35, with a minute left in the half, just how many play-calling questions have to be asked? It's 17-10. Take points and build the scoreboard. Stay relevant. Why can't we run the ball? Or sorry, why we didn't run the ball is baffling. End up punting. Yeah, as we mentioned... We needed to capitalise on those little forays into Rams territory. We, you know, I don't know. It was that that was the frustrating part uh, of the game for me, really. Yeah, so close yet so far. 
Exactly. Um, Martin Caladine at Ugly Game. It was a wonderful carnival of a day. Great to be part of the noise and colour and to show my kids their first Bengals game. Doesn't matter how many times I go to London games, I never get blasé about what fantastic occasions they are. As for the Rams game, um, they were more than two touchdowns better. They had plenty in reserve. I cannot fathom Taylor's play calling, his insistence on running on first down when the run game is a mess, repeatedly leaving us facing second along, was disastrous. I thought they mixed it up much better yesterday, though, don't you? No, I think he's right. I, I do think that persistence on trying to run the ball, I think you've got to run the ball and you've got to get something going so the defence you know, cuts you a bit of respect. But I really think it's quite obvious that they're forcing the run this year. I think they're really doing anything they can to get Joe Mixon the ball and try and you know, get some momentum and it just isn't happening. Uh, Peter Dadswell at Dadders. And Peter was around all weekend and I only... Saw him for like five minutes at the Who Day chant, so at least that's something. Anyway, uh, my take on the Bengals game against the Rams is more about the whole weekend. A thoroughly enjoyable occasion, not spoiled by the predictable result. Meeting so many fellow Bengals fans from both the UK, European and our American visitors. The game itself flew by. The result was predictable. Good to see the run game looking better. The O-line was equally predictable against the pass rush. We got zero pressure on Goff and he was able to carve us up with many chunk plays, especially across the middle in the intermediate zone. We're 0-8 now, but for a while I can forget that and enjoy the long weekend that was. Who day? And a very big who day to you too, Pete. Yeah, uh, thanks for all your support. completely agree with a lot of that there from Dallas. Sam Anger at Sam underscore Anger. Well, what can I even say? Uh, I guess I'm recovering from the weekend on the source more than I am the loss. First of all, I couldn't believe when I heard you interviewing the players, which you did great with. Secondly, meeting the loyal, lovely Bengals fans from around the globe. Lastly, I think we can all put this down as a weekend to be never forgotten. Just goes to show what a superb following we have and would be a huge tragedy if this never happened again. I'll get on to Roger Goodell shortly. Well, me and Sam had some very drunken chats um, over the weekend, and he was—he, you know, he—he was—I don't think he was around three years ago. At least he might have been, but just came to the game or something like that. Um, but uh, I know that he was really excited for the game, and um, I obviously had a great time, and it was great to see him. Yeah, he's just and I've seen Sam does a lot of good work on Twitter, and I've never actually met him before in the flesh. It was a good laugh hanging out of him. He's a top lad. Uh, Warrior Nate. Uh, at Warrior Nate ninety nine, hey guys, do you think there were more Bengals fans at the game this year than the Skins game? I felt I saw more. Maybe the Skins game converted some bits. What do you think? And uh, Matt Minnick from the Cincy Jungle website at Coach Minnick uh, on TV, it looked like there were more Bengals jerseys than Rams jerseys in the stands. Was it a Bengals crowd? I think it's always difficult to tell, but I tell you what, there. Were, you walk around the stadium, there was quite a lot of Bengals jerseys. Um, but then again, you see sort of pockets of Rams fans. And I don't know, I think there was a sizable... And you have to remember also that the, there were quite a few Broncos fans there in orange. So I don't know whether that affected yeah, the whole orange thing. But, but certainly there was a, there was a fair fair amount there yesterday, you know. 
I reckon it's tight, and you also got to think it's a Rams home game, so naturally they'd probably bring you know more fans over from LA. LA is a much bigger market than Cincinnati, but I thought we certainly did ourselves proud. I think it was close or the worst. Absolutely, I agree. Kieran Thurwell, I'm Kieran Thurwell. Hello, Kieran, another guy that has come to, uh, who's recently moved down to London, and you know he came to our meetup, our summer meetup, and it was great to see him. And he was there this weekend in force as well. What a great top lad he is. He is. He's a lovely guy. What a great weekend meeting Bengals football fans from all over the UK, the States and afar. All topped off by the game at Wembley yesterday, despite the scoreline. Too many to shout out, but cheers to all. And he's right. You know, we met uh, a crazy bunch of um, a German crew, Bengals crew yesterday um, and in the pub on Saturday night. Uh, there was a guy from Luxembourg. There was Patrice from France, whose mate knocked your beer over. Um, <laughs> um, there was also Alberto from Italy, who we spoke to on the podcast. And I, I think there was some uh, jungler, Hispania guys there. I didn't get to see them, unfortunately. So I hope they had a fantastic time. And there was a whole, well, I say a whole, there was a three, four people from uh, Den- from Denmark as well. So... You know, it was great, you know, people coming to London and um, seeing their team. Nick Parker at Big Parks 71. Solid handle. Um, it is, solid geezer as well. I met him for the first time yesterday at the pub. And he says to Jeremy and Jess and Jim Foster, who was there, we should give a massive shout out to Jim Foster. He does so much amazing work with his tailgate and he's been a great help to us as well. And of course, Jim and his crew were there and they were loving every minute. Um, so, uh, so yeah, meeting those guys was such a joy. Truly magnificent support from Bengals fans uh, from near and far. Thanks, uh, Wembley Stadium. A great day for my first son's. Uh, sorry, my son's first NFL game. While the fans and stuff off the pitch was great. Uh, again, so little offensive creativity let the team down. Seems Dalton is far too quick to to bail on his first read. Doesn't let the play develop. Got to look at the O coordinator's role. Why so little movement on roster this week? Um, yeah, I know, well, we'll talk about the roster moves, I think. Uh, Sean at Shawnee. Um, fantastic weekend. Even the score didn't spoil the party. So many highlights today. Agree with that, Sean. And it was good to see you yesterday. There's some more dogs barking in the background. Almost there, Nathan. Don't worry. James Fox at James Fox 91 Hearing you guys interviewing the players on the podcast was incredible and surreal. Can't imagine what it must have been like for you two. I think this was the weekend that takes Bengals UK to another level. Well done, chaps. Gutted to have missed it. Yeah, we missed you, James. Uh, but thank you for the kind words. And uh, if it was uh, incredible and surreal for you, I can assure you it was equally, if not more, incredible and surreal for us, wasn't it, Nathan? Absolutely. Mad, completely mad that Friday. I'll never forget it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right, Martin Greer at Martin Greer 73. Great to see Martin and his partner. Uh, always. Yeah, Martin, Martin's an absolute trooper, you know. He's a top lad. He is, and I love it. He's always smiling. He's got the, the yeah. best smile in the world, and, you know, he wears Icky Woods jerseys and seemingly always drinking. So what a combination that is. Uh, what a lovely guy Martin is. <laughs> I had a stunning four days, thanks to many amazing people from both sides of the pond. Proud member of the Bengal 
family and so you should be martin um we always love seeing you um dave cass at come on didier again a guy that i only saw really for five minutes yesterday i wish i could have a sit down and proper sort of chat with these guys because they're all fantastic i mean we've looked out really i can't think of any complete in this this uh apart from you obviously nathan and I'm, I'm apart sort of, from duncan apart from yeah that's true okay fair enough um dave cass at come on didier can we really focus on the wonderful weekend meeting up with old friends and making new ones their foot the football might be disappointing but there were some great moments on both sides of the ball. To move forward, we need to play our best football for the full 60 minutes. And, uh, you know, that's absolutely true. We just can't string a, a decent whole game together, really. You know, there's some good bits. There's some atrocious bits. There's some OK bits. There's some more atrocious bits. There's some good bits. You know, it's just a little bit all over the place at the moment. Let's face I think it. that's a good point as well. I think that really is always struggling. Dalton said it, didn't he? I said it on the podcast the other day. It's just play a full game, you know, really yeah. sort of step up. You know, play a full game, take your opportunities, and I just think throughout the season it's it's not happened once. Okay, well that that's kind of more or less wrapped up the weekend. Of course, uh, we'll all have memories that will last uh, several years, no doubt. So, um, uh, but let's wrap this weekend up because we are in the bye week now. The trade deadline is tomorrow. We're recording this on the Monday, so something may happen, something might not. Jason Lackenfora, um tweeted out a news story he wrote saying that uh, a lot of GMs in the league just don't even bother ringing the Bengals now because they're just the Bengals just aren't interested. They just don't do any business, you know, and they seem to be overvaluing their players. Paul Dana followed it up saying that uh, the Bengals organisation is sort of philosophically opposed to trading because they're not into the idea of making other teams better which I found quite an odd uh, comment, if true, you know, and there's no reason to doubt Paul, really. Um, what do you think, Nathan? I, I, I mean, it's, I mean, what, no, you tell me what do you, I'm, my brain's obviously gone, it's mush, it's crazy, it's mashed potato, uh, I can't even talk or think now straight, but, so I'm going to hand it over to you, what do you think? Uh, do you want some things to happen? I mean, an Eifert, a Gino, an AJ? <laughs> Do you know what it is for me? It's I think it's a tough one because you've got all the sort of draft, big draft fans that just want as many picks as they can. You know, they'd trade away Paul Brown Stadium for a draft pick if they could. You know, it's just that they just want these picks. They want as many rookies in as they can. They want to see what the you know new guys can give us. And I think the Bengals, on the other hand, they're sort of in the complete opposite side of that. And they're looking at it and they're saying... You know, we've got players with value. You know, we think Geno Atkins is a good player. We think Tyler Eifert's a good player. You know, we think AJ Green is a good player. And actually, you know, why do we want to make this team worse? Why do we want to sort of, you know, have a, you know, create a hole that we have to replace anyway? If you go and trade away AJ Green, your number one wide receiver, well, then you've got to fill that position next year with a draft pick. And I think they value the talent they've got now more than the potential talent that they could get in the future, I suppose. And I'm, it's not completely flawed logic. It's it's very much sort of, I think, old-style logic. But I think, in terms of what I think, I think I'd be willing to trade someone away if I really felt that they <clears throat> weren't going to offer the organisation much more in the future. And I think that's the key of it. If there's a player on that team that you think might be, you know, have his best years behind him and you think someone's offering you value that outweighs his 
ongoing um his likely ongoing contributions to the team and you've got to make a trade you know i think if someone comes in for tyler eifert and they're offering you a third round pick or something like that or you know whatever you think that that outweighs you've got to pull pull the trigger you know someone like eifert's a bit longer in the tooth he's had injury concerns you know we've we've just drafted a second round tight end in drew sample we don't really know what we've got there you know it hasn't been that promising so far you know we've paid cj zama some decent money so I think I think if anyone's going to get traded on the Bengals, it's going to be Eifert. I really don't think that Geno Atkins or Carlos are going to go. I think they're valued too highly internally. They've been with the team a long time. They're both drafted by the team. I really can't see either of those uh, two guys going. But I think Eifert probably is the one guy that could go. I really don't think Dalton's going anywhere. I really don't think AJ Green at this point is going to go anywhere. I think. In and in, you know, I certainly think someone like you know AJ Green's agent and AJ Green himself might be sitting there thinking, you know, I actually would quite like a trade. I and mean, AJ's a classy guy; he's a good guy. He's not going to be the sort of person that's you know trying to sit games out or you know saying he's not going to play for the team again unless they trade him. But I do think probably secretly deep down, I wouldn't be surprised if you know if you're AJ Green and you're going to come back after a year out of injury, you'd you know rather be playing for Green Bay, you know, or someone like that that has a real chance at a title um, as opposed to the 0-8 Bengals. So, you know, it's a tough one. Uh, I don't know, well, what do you think, Sam? Do you think there will be any moves? Do you want there to be moves? You know, well, what do you think? Well, I, I don't think there will be, just because of what, you know, we've been hearing the last sort of 24 hours, really. Um, whether I want to, I think I do. Uh, and I'm not saying rip, rip up the whole kind of team and whatnot. I'm not quite sure. I think what you mentioned before, you know, there's... There's people who want the draft picks and the draft capital for next year, and then there's the people who want to keep the the good player. I think there's somewhere there's there's a, I think there's a happy medium in between. We need to start thinking about next year, right? There's nothing to be, you know, they're not going to the playoffs this year. That's for sure. Um, they're not. They're probably not going to get a winning season. The likelihood is that they're going to be picking top five next year. Um, mm. So a, a rebuild of sorts, if you're serious about kind of writing this, you know, not only sort of steadying the ship, but making this a competitive and a winning team again, we, I think there are some, as I say, some major-ish surgery that needs to happen. As you say, Tyler's, um, you know, likely, the most likely, I think, but apparently the Bengals, you know, they, he's been, a, they've been offered a, a fifth for Tyler Eifert, and they're holding out for a third. And there's this whole debate at the moment whether the Bengals do overvalue their talent uh, a little bit. Um, now, I kind of get that argument, but if the Bengals think that, say, AJ, Gray, AJ Green is is worth a first, then they should hold out for AJ, you know, a first. I, what I don't get is this, if it's true, this whole idea that the Bengals don't enter into trades because... They don't want to make other teams better, you know. You know, we need to make tra- trades to make us better. You know, it's it's uh, getting picks. It's kind of I don't know. It's all a bit of a mess, isn't it? I think I do think we need an injection of. Uh, I mean, I, th- I think there's a there's a little argument to, that Joe Mixon shouldn't be uh, out of. Uh, the conversation when it comes to trades, he's coming up to. Yeah, I agree. You know, if you're going to go down the trade route, everything should be open, I think. And they they do need to have a much more open mind when it comes to 
rebuilding this team because they haven't got any comp picks next year and you know how much Duke Tobin loves the compensation compensatory picks. So we've got seven draft picks next year. We haven't got 10 or 11 and that might be sometimes good. Hopefully you get less sort of projects really. But um, yeah, I'd like to see a trade or two. Um, I think, I think me and you said, me and you made, but we were having a chat, weren't we, about Joe Mixon and his value. And I think for me with Mixon, and I know a lot of people, I'm not as high on Mixon as a lot of people, but I think with someone like Mixon, the, int- the intrigue with that is he's valued fairly highly around the league, I believe. Mm. Um, and running backs are funny. They're funny beasts, you know. You look at a lot of running backs, they just don't last very long anymore. I mean, you remember Jeremy Hill. I remember he had an absolutely unbelievable year with us. And we, everyone was thinking, God, this guy's incredible. What have we got in our hands here? And, you know, a few injuries and, you know, a bad offensive line, you can just slow a player down and their career doesn't go as far as you think. I mean, you look at Melvin Gordon, he's, you know, one of the league's best running backs playing awfully at the moment, you know, having held out. Le'Veon Bell not playing anywhere near close to the level he has. So I think of a running back, you know, they're one of those things that, if a team wants someone, you know, you saw Kenyon Drake get traded to the Cardinals today from the Dolphins and, you know, their continued sort of, you know, just getting rid of all their talent, you know, carries on. And I think with Mixon, you know, they've just paid Gio a lot of money. Running back's probably the easiest position to replace. You know, you could find a couple of free agents. You could draft a running back. I mean, it's one of those positions that is fillable. And I think if someone was willing to offer you sort of a second-round pick for Joe Mixon, maybe a third-round pick... I'd be inclined to, you know, be interested in it. I mean, Mixon, you know, I think it's his third season. So I think he's got another another one, and then he'll be a free agent. So it's like, are you really going to be paying him what he wants? Because he'll want, you know, probably his, his agent certainly will want top 10 money. So I think, you know, when we were talking about that, like, do I want Mixon to be traded? No, I'm, again, I'm just open to it. If it's a good deal, then potentially we do it. But yeah. I really, I'd be surprised if, you know, in the next 24 hours if the Bengals did. I think unless a team really desperately, like Carson Palmer style, threw a deal that was far too good to be true yeah, on I the agree. table, I really, I really don't think we'll be seeing I it. I agree. Although I do, I do think the Bengals do need to be more open to, you know. I agree. You know, they really do. Counter counterintuitively with that, I mean, if you're talking about them saying, "Well, we don't want to make trades to make other teams better," it's like, "Well, I know you're zero and eight, but why not go and get someone?" You know, mm-hmm. give up a, if you really rate a player for next year that you think actually this guy could make our team mm-hmm. better next year and for the next three years. You know, go and trade a draft pick away for him. You know, yeah, do, it yeah, works both ways. You know, work it? the yeah. other way around yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, if you think you can get a guy that you're willing to pay next year and you can get him for sort of a third or fourth round pick or fifth round, you know, something like that. Yeah. That's, you know, you're not giving up the world for, then, you know, maybe consider doing that. I think, I think the the fact that we're 0 and 8 is just like, it's DEFCON 1. It's like this team, I mean, I know that they want to hold out and see what this team's like healthy, but, oh man, it's just, we kind of know what it's going to be. Or do, I mean, yeah, we kind of do. But anyway, we shall see. Listen, the battery's going on my computer, so I think it's probably a good time to wrap things up. I've got um, a last-minute message from Jamie at Trequart Beast saying, a brilliant, amazing weekend. Far better for the Bengals UK movement than anything the team brought, Auden Tate accepted. We've shown consistent growth with a team of strong characters and born entertainers. The front office should try to see what we're doing right. And I do, I mean, they are. Don't worry about that. And altogether, Jamie says, We'll win again. Don't know where. Don't know when. Uh, sorry, I just broke out into song there. Um, 
So yes, hopefully we we'll, we will win again. I hope soon. I don't know where, as Jamie says, and I don't know when, but I'm sure we will. Um, but Nathan, that's about it, mate. Um, any last thoughts? No, genuinely an incredible. I know you've given shout outs to everyone, but <clears throat> to everyone, incredible weekend. Thank you so much for everything. It's a genuine pleasure, and I hope. You know, next year we'll certainly be putting on another meetup for a game, and hopefully we get the Bengals back. You know, within the next four years, and we can do it all again. But it was an absolutely brilliant weekend. You know, I feel absolutely dreadful now, <laughs> but it was definitely all worth it for um, for the good time. So, thank you everyone for that. It's, it really does mean a lot. I couldn't add anything to that. So, all I will say is, it's a who day for me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.